Hello, beautiful people. It is Tuesday, March 10th, 2020. I hope you had a fantastic weekend. We are so thankful that you're allowing us to penetrate your ears on this glorious day. I think spring's back, by the way. I think spring is back. I'm not 100% sure if that Punxsutawney field fucker was right or wrong, but I do know that the sun seems to be coming out. Now, daylight saving time is a kick in a sack. I mean, jarring. It is, isn't it? It yeah. comes out of nowhere. It affects you for a couple of days, too. Yesterday, Sunday, uh, well, I'm recording this on Monday. On Sunday, it was like 7 o'clock at night, and I felt wide awake, and it was starting to get dark. It's an interesting, but we adjust. Mm-hmm. We adjust. And then when daylight saving time happens again, we complain. And then when it happens again, <laughs> we complain, and then we adjust. And it just, it's a never-ending circle that I think everybody would just like to see get, get rid of. Yeah, get it out of there. Just get it out. Just let us deal with how the sun comes and goes, okay? We don't need to be switching up the clock. But, I mean, now that we're here, let's enjoy it. Also, uh, I'm in the NIT of podcast uh, brackets for the win. Let's go. Let's go. I'm in the sports section. Bill Simmons is in there. I'm currently taking on uh, No Laying Up, which yep. is a golf podcast. Mm-hmm. I've heard it's a very good golf podcast. It's not my fault uh, that they seated us together. It's also not my fault who they chose to put into this podcast bracket. It's the NIT of podcast brackets, and we would like to win it. So right now at ForTheWin.org. you get it there's a bracket if you could vote for us at some point today we'd appreciate it i'm not going to promote it in the next rounds but it'd be tough to get an l in the first round of the nit of the podcast bracketing yeah well we got a pretty good seed though i mean i think i'm 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 confident well there's no pardon my take there's no spitting chiclets right there's no rogan Right. There's no Two Bears, One Cave. Right. There's no Bill Burt podcast. Right. Basically, every podcast that I listen to is not in this, which is kind of exciting. Kind of exciting. Listen, I didn't set it up. No. No, no, no. But if you find some time today and would like to vote us through from this first round, that'd be grateful because if we lose in this, it's going to be tough. We'll have a spin zone. Believe me, we will have a full spin zone on what happened, <laughs> but it would be nice to win a round. And if you're going to go watch any of these first rounds of the the basketball that's about to take place, the college basketball, there's a game tonight in Indianapolis. There's a game last night in Indianapolis. Some of the boys are actually going to a couple of the games. College basketball, March Madness is about to be in full swing. You need to get your tickets from our presenting sponsor, SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the greatest ticket buying platform on planet Earth and... The moon. That's right. If you're going to buy tickets here or there, you need to use SeatGeek because SeatGeek scans all the other ticket buying platforms to make sure you're getting the best value for the tickets that you're buying right now. Use promo code PAT and get $10 off your first order. Incredible. That does sound incredible, doesn't it? It really does. Just wait. There's more. Promo code Mac if you get $20 off your first order. Wow. 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 That's what SeatGeek is. It's a wow machine. Because you're not just buying tickets, you're buying memories, you're buying stories, you're buying an event that you will never, ever be able to replace with some nonchalant staying at home bullshit. <laughs> you're live but are you living? Go live and experience something live with our friends at SeatGeek. And also a little self-awareness, please. If you're rich, use the promo code PAT to get $10 off. If you're not rich yet, utilize the promo code MACV, get $20 off. We need both of those to go because we need to run the business. Also, speaking of business, when it's time to get down to business in a sack, you need to have longer, more fulfilling sex, okay? You look in the mirror, you see a guy that, you know, he makes love, but not for long. He fornicates, but not as long as maybe he or she or he would like he to do. Well, that's a problem that a lot of people have had. Believe it or not, you're not alone. And our friends at Roman have come along and taken care of your coming problem. Now, what you do is you go to GetRoman.com. You use promo code USA. 
and you get $10 off and free two-day shipping of these incredible invention called Roman Swipes. Roman Swipes then are delivered to your front doorstep doorstep in discreet packaging in two days. They're small enough little swipes that you pull out of the packaging you could put in your wallet or in your back pocket. Whenever you go out and maybe you're with your lady finding a lady, maybe you're with your man or finding another man, and then it comes time to put on a show, to take a trip to Pleasure Town, to go ahead and knock boots, to go ahead and blow some beds out, to go and make love. You go ahead and rub the Roman swipes on the kitten caboodle right there. You let it dry and bingo, bango, longer, better sex from your friends at Roman. Right now, use promo code USA at GetRoman.com. You get $10 off and free two-day shipping on a miracle worker, a magic maker, a Roman swipe that makes you last longer in the sack. Now let's get to the show. One of the greatest football bodies in the history of football, Charlie Weiss, is now the, <laughs> is now the spokesperson okay, for Tom Brady. He has come out on the air this morning. He was on Golick and Wingo. I guess he hosts a show on Sirius XM NFL Radio, Charlie Weiss does, formerly of Notre Dame, formerly of the New England Patriots, formerly of, I think, a couple other places. Just an offensive guru was what everybody calls him. Never played football, but was able to, you know, climb up the ladder. And obviously, in his words, he and Tom Brady have a very tight relationship. Tom Brady and Charlie Weiss spoke on the phone, and Tom Brady basically alluded to Charlie Weiss that if anybody is saying, they know something they don't because Tom Brady's saying he doesn't even know. Charlie Weiss is on record of saying that Tom Brady told him to clean it up. So here's Charlie Weiss cleaning it up on Golic and Wingo. I do have one bit of scoop for us, says Charlie Weiss. I've been texting with Tommy. By the way, I didn't know that's what we call him. Oh, Tommy. <laughs> okay. So, Tommy, <laughs> I don't usually pass along these conversa uh, conversations because, you know, that's personal conversation. But one thing he told me, nobody knows anything. So anyone who is telling you they know, they don't know. I'm not going through any other part of the conversation, says Charlie Weiss. But then he says Tom Brady followed up with saying, clean it up. So this is Charlie Weiss cleaning it up. So I don't know who said that they know anything. I don't think anybody has been on record saying they know anything. Everything has been purely speculation. And there's been conversations about, oh, is Tom going to go back to the Patriots? Everything that we're reading and everything that's coming out, it sure sounds as if the Patriots and Tom, Tommy, are not going to be able to work out a deal. If you look at Field Yates' tweets, which sound like they're coming directly from a New England Patriots staffer. A New England Patriots staffer sounds like they reached out to Field Yates to tell him, like, hey, we just want to let you know this whole Tom Brady speculation. Like, we haven't offered Tom Brady really a contract because we have no idea what Tom wants. So if you could tweet that the Patriots are basically waiting for Tom to give exactly what he wants to the New England Patriots, that would be great. And this is kind of just all speculation. You got one insider, Field Yates, saying things. You got another one from that guy at the Boston Herald. What was his name? Mike Grace. Uh, Tom Curran. Tom, Tom Curran. Curran. You got Tom Curran talking. You got Schefter talking. You got everybody's talking about what their sources are telling them, but you never know whose sources are what. Tom Brady sounds like he's been very, very tight-lipped. And if you read this entire situation with Tom Brady handling it perfectly, I wonder if they're going to be like Kim Kardashian and Kanye West, where Kim and Kanye started lying about their baby names to certain members of their circle. So if you guys were Kim and Kanye's circle mm -hmm. here, uh, I would tell Gumpy that I'm going to name my baby Midas. 
Okay. Then I would tell Nick, I'm going to name my baby doctor. And then I tell Diggs, I'm going to name my, my baby King. And then all of a sudden you just sit and wait. And they sat and waited until one name got leaked. And they're like, okay, King got leaked. That's Diggs. Diggs is now banished from the circle forever. That is what Kim and Connie, did. by the way, genius. Mm-hmm. Absolutely next genius. Next level. That's next level. I wonder if Tom Brady's doing this as well. Because I assume that he's talking to different people. He has to find out. Because he has to get a little bit of information gathering from some people obviously he's still talking to antonio brown's people antonio brown's people came out and said that antonio brown tweeted something about how the last six months have been filled with ego and anger now he's getting back to gratitude and love or something like that tom brady quote tweeted it and put it yeah he said anger and ego kicked my ass for about six months i forgot about hard work and grace has success took a shot yet I don't know what that Very means. Very illiterate. I don't know. Oh, come Yikes. on. Yikes, Connor. Oh, but you just, what? I mean, we've well, all heard hey, his music. Way, that's another Patriot fan asking for Antonio Brown and Tom Brady not to come back to the Patriots. But <laughs> Tom Brady quotes me that with a heart. I think Tommy and Antonio Brown have been in communication. And I do think whatever team ends up with Tom Brady is probably going to end up with Antonio Brown as well. If he can continue on this, you know, PR tour and, and it seems like getting his mind right would be great for everybody Antonio Brown would be good to see it but, but I don't think anybody knows anything and that's what Charlie Weiss is saying but why did Tommy Brady pick Charlie Weiss to be the guy to clean it up that makes no sense to me I mean he must be an absolute savage like Charlie must be a cleaner like in his spare time and like that's what he does <laughs> if Tom Brady goes to the San Francisco 49ers he's winning probably the next three Super Bowls oh that is just something that has to be. Now I'm I'm a Colts fan. Obviously, we got friends on a lot of different teams. We enjoy our friendships. We enjoy watching good football. We think there's a lot of good teams. But if you look at that Niners team, now granted, Jimmy G is a great quarterback. Listen, Jimmy G, great quarterback. When he's playing for the Niners, they win. When he's not playing for the 49ers, they lose. But when you look at Jimmy G, that one miss. Okay, is now going to potentially change the landscape of everything. Tom Brady goes to the Niners. That team has a great running game. That team has a great tight end. That team has a great defense. That team has a younger coaching staff that seems to get it with their players. That team has a general manager in John Lynch that his players like and enjoy. And that just so happens to be the team that Tom loves. That roster's set up. They were in a Super Bowl last year. I mean, it's just, it feels like Tom Brady probably wins maybe the next seven Super Bowls if he was to go there again. For a team-friendly deal, which could potentially happen because he's come out and said it's about championships, not about money. And then potentially add Antonio Brown to that already stacked roster. (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's... It's absurd. We all just want to see Tommy happy, and unfortunately, that looks like it's not going to be in New England anymore. Well, it's definitely. Well, oh, I don't want to say. That. Is that for because I don't want to say? <laughs> I don't want to say that I know because I want Charlie Weiss coming after me. <laughs> I don't want Charlie Weiss coming after me. Is that first meeting that they had where one side said it was business as usual, and the other side, I think we can assume it was Brady's side, said it didn't go well? Is that where Brady said, "Okay, I want A, B, and C," and Belichick just said, "No." Listen, I'm going to listen to what Charlie Weiss said. Nobody knows anything, but all. He do know is every piece of information that you read you have to try to figure out who it's coming from mm-hmm. and why it's coming out like this dallas cowboys dak prescott information the 105 million guaranteed 33 a year guarantee or 33 a year contract that was just so leaked to somebody in the media or whatever where it that is 100 coming from the dallas cowboys that that is the dallas cowboys trying to show their fans like hey this is what we offered the guy and now the Dallas Cowboys fans, if they read that, right, 
33 million, 105 guaranteed, technically the richest contract in league history. If they read that, how it's presented to them, and Dak says no to that, you're automatically going to have a little bit of hard feelings uh-huh. towards Dak as opposed to the Cowboys. The Cowboys have to survive long past Dak, so they're all, and they've been there long before Dak, so they're going to have the people on their side. But when you leak that type of information, like, hey, we offered this dude 105 million, 33 a year, richest contract in NFL history, and he he's he's playing saying no basically immediately PR war is won by the Cowboys no matter what happens the rest of the way through it looks as if Dak is acting spoiled which by the way whatever Dak wants I think Dak should try to get because he has been underpaid for whatever now he hasn't gone in the playoffs and won or whatever so that's kind of a different animal have they won no I don't think so no he has not gone in the playoffs and won I don't think so they beat the Seahawks at home one game acted yeah okay so he has won in the playoffs yep okay so he's won a game in the playoffs has not made it further than that but still great football player who deserves good money retired tony romo so whatever the reason is that he's saying no to that contract we would be intrigued to hear but we never will be unless his people decide to leak it and that's just like the tom brady patriots stuff it all depends on who's leaking what information it's all about just kind of rigging the narrative towards your side and it's the NFL, NFL, Pierre doing it. It's all big business. You know, it's all big business. That's why people are, have a lot of money in the markets are trying to rig against coronavirus narrative. And I don't think it's going well. School just shut down <laughs> right over here on the, on the west side of, of the city. That's one of the things I've learned from you since coming over here. Like when you were just a casual fan, you would see a headline like that and just move about your day and then think badly about Dak. Immediately. Like, but now since you were in the league and, and you think differently than every other human on the planet, like you have to think about where it's coming from, what angle they're trying to to uh, come at and what makes them look best. Yeah, and that's all it is, right? I mean, that's what, <laughs> that, what that headline that Florio wrote on Pro Football Talk is accurate and it spins a narrative before people can even yeah. read into anything else. And also, it's it's a hundred percent like it's not that Florio is doing anything wrong here. It's that the Dallas are do, is doing something right. The Cowboys are doing a PR move right, and I think that's where the players always lose. Just like in CBA negotiation, normally in contract negotiation, the players always lose because they have a way of spinning it to make it look like the players look like the spoiled brats. Do your agents tell you to? not say anything during these negotiations because during the CBA, during contract negotiations, not contract negotiations, it always seems like the player is the one that's being quiet and then the PR is always beneficial to the league or to the team. It, anytime you have lawyers involved, normally they tell you not to talk, right? Like that's the first. Whenever I got uh, for the alleged incident, I had uh, the biggest lawyer in town showed up in the jail, right, to pick me up for my in jail hearing or whatever Mm -hmm. they're processing i don't know what the hell it is that thing and i remember his face so vividly because when i was a rookie they had a bunch of people come speak to us and this particular attorney came in and he said if you ever see me again it's not good right (laughs) so then as soon as i get out of my solitary confinement and i go into the court thing and i see the guy i'm like oh no (laughs) here we are we're back right this isn't good he was he rep uh, represented Tyson. He's represented basically every court case in Indianapolis. This guy, Jim Boyles, he represents. And he, as soon as he saw me and we were walking out of the jail and everything like that, and I sat in his car, he gave me a card. And on the back of it, it said, don't say anything. Uh-huh. And I was just like, okay, uh, that's interesting. He was like, they already got your tweet out about bye week, bye week, bye whatever. Like, we need you not saying anything. We need you not doing that. I think that's just kind of how all lawyers uh, kind of... Mm-hmm 
Because I would assume once you say something, the narrative could get twisted or your words could get twisted, especially in my particular case. Like I couldn't come out and say anything. Now, granted, it was just a public intoxication. They couldn't really do anything like six months in jail, I guess I was told. But that wouldn't happen to me because it was my first offense or anything like that. But I feel like the agents and the lawyers have had more go wrong for them when people speak than go right. So I would assume the safe option is always like don't say anything. And if you're dealing with players who haven't necessarily been PR coached or things like that, players could be saying things that they don't even know are making them look bad. So agents are always just like, I think in the mindset that, Hey, the less you say the better as opposed to anything else. Now, if somebody was to say it to me now, in my particular case, like that would be like, yeah, okay, sounds good. I'm probably uh, better at this than you are. Uh-huh. Go ahead and take a, take a hike. But I think with a lot of players, they're told not to say anything because you don't want to mess anything up, right? Like, hey, let's not mess this up. Let's get this deal done. The agents are like, we'll be able to do that for you as long as you don't mess it up. Just don't say anything. But in the PR world, that doesn't make any sense. You have to at least leak some information to give your side of the case. Like, for instance, if Dak Prescott's people would leak just a little bit on why they're, yeah, the 105 or whatever is guaranteed, but it's not for until blah, 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 and it's also leaving out blah, blah, blah. Like, at least then it would make a little bit of sense. But anytime you're talking to basic humans, including myself, and I hear $105 million guaranteed, it's a lot of money, man. Yeah. Hey, that's generational wealth, pal. Let's not get caught up in the what Patrick Mahomes is potentially going to get paid because you never want to leave your for show money looking for mo money because you might end up with no, no money. money. Joining us now is a man who's a three-time Super Bowl champion, two-time pro bowler, and chili maker. Ladies and gentlemen, stink Mark Schlereth. Hey, buddy. Good to be with you, Pat. God, you look great. Where are you calling us from right now? Well, I'm in the uh, dressing room at Fox. That's where I'm uh, sitting right now. Are you on TV today? I love whenever you're on that one show. What's uh, uh, for, uh, no. Speak for Yourself. Speak for Yourself. Speak for yourself. Yeah, I am on Speak for Yourself today. I'm going to be on Cal, uh, Colin Cowherd a little bit uh, from now. So, yeah, I got I got a full gamut of uh, television coming at you today. Well, Mark, that's because you're really good at what you do. Let's get right to it. Let's showcase those incredible abilities. Tom Brady, 42 years old, about to be 43. Everybody is saying that they think they know what's going on. Tom Brady leaks through Charlie Weiss, of all people, (laughs) for Charlie Weiss to go tell people that nobody knows anything. Where do you sit in this Tom Brady saga, and what do you think ultimately happens? And are you surprised that Charlie Weiss is his mouthpiece? Um, you might as well, if you're going to have a mouse mouthpiece, why not Charlie? I mean, Charlie's as good a mouthpiece as anybody else I know. Concur. Um, you know, what's interesting about this is like, I would have thought had you asked me a month ago, like 80% chance he just goes back to new England. That's where he's going to be. I think that's going to work out, but ultimately like, this is the perfect, this is the perfect plan for the New England Patriots to basically walk away from Tom Brady, right? There it is. Because it mitigates their responsibility towards Tom Brady. All of a sudden, you say, hey, listen, man, he wanted to be a free agent. He wanted to test free agency. We can't afford to pay him $60 million for two years. You know, and there's some other teams that can do that. I, I look at, like, a place like the Chargers. They can't sell out a, a soccer stadium. Like, if he goes there, you're spending pennies to chase dollars with personal seat license and everything else, Pat. Mark, what you to your point, 
to your point, what you just said, and we've been on. We we thought that was a good idea too. New stadium, new team. Basically, they're in a bad spot. They're clearing out some cap space now. They they obviously signed Austin Eckler and some other players. So I don't know how much they have. But if he was to go to the Chargers, this post that he just put on Instagram would make a lot more sense. Deadline. Where is Tom Brady going next? Question mark. Hollywood to launch 199 Productions with the help of Avengers Endgame directors Joe and Anthony Russo. And Tom Brady goes on to say seven minutes ago, he's excited to announce the world official launch of 199 Productions. When I was the 199th draft pick in 2000, I knew I needed to work hard every day to prove myself. Launching a production company is no different. So LeBron James had seven shows on television whenever he ended up going to the Los Angeles Lakers. Tom Brady launches a production company in Hollywood. Should we look into that as anything other than that's where he spends his offseason? Or do you think the Chargers are potentially moving up in his eyes as a potential landing spot? Yeah, I think that I think the Chargers make sense. I think the Raiders make sense. When you're selling, you know, personal seat licenses and you're doing all those things, I like like the 49ers make sense. I mean, what a what a great homecoming that would be, right? That would be unbelievable. So I think there are a lot of teams. I think the big, the biggest thing here is it gives the New England Patriots kind of an excuse. It mitigates them from the standpoint of, hey, we let the all-time greatest quarterback and the guy who's been the face of our franchise for two decades, we like we don't have any responsibility in that. Hey, he wanted to leave. You know, he's got this 199 production company now. It's like you know, The Rock with his seven bucks production. Like, everybody seems to be making a production company. I don't know why. Do you have a production company, Pat? <laughs> yeah. You should have a production company. Yeah, we do. I mean, it's kind of what we do on a daily basis. We don't have the... Oh. We, we have we have more than seven bucks. We have less than one ninety nine productions, though, I think. Okay. We're somewhere there in the middle. But it's also intriguing because no matter where he goes, you go, oh, I could see that. Like the Tennessee Titans. Him and Vrabel are boys. Tannehill is on the market right now. They potentially have a need for a guy to maybe take them to a next step. And what's interesting, and tell me if this is interesting to you, he's 42 years old, almost 43 years old at this point, and he is a player that everybody on earth would want still to be their quarterback that knows anything and that is a very intriguing thing with the tb12 treatment how he still has got a lot of pop how many years left do you think how is it a three-year deal he signs for two-year deal what do you think yeah i still think i still think just watching him like he throws the ball with as much um velocity with as much accuracy with like he he doesn't look any different to me and i've been following this game forever he doesn't look any different to me um, than he was when he was 32 or 28. I mean, he still has the same amount of, of you know, Zip. being able to create rotational, like ground force creating rotational force, creating, you know, velocity in the football. So I, I don't see any, like, I don't see him falling off athletically. Like, he hasn't fallen off the map. He's always been great in the pocket. He knows the game, you know, inside and out. He understands where he wants to go. So I still see him producing at an incredibly high level over the next couple of years if he if that's what he chooses to do. So I don't see any significant drop-off in his game from an athletic standpoint. One, he's never been a great athlete anyhow, you know. He's a great quarterback. That's what he is. He's not a great did that did that throw you? Well, he's never going to come on the show because of what you just said. <laughs> Charlie Weiss no. is listening to this, Mark. You can't be saying that type of stuff. Oh no, you don't. You don't think? Like, come on! I mean, you saw him run. You saw. Him. Oh no! I'm not double down now, Mark. Yeah, you've seen the pictures of the body. I mean, come on. 
Like, you don't have a great body, but you're an incredible athlete. <laughs> you cannot, you just can't, you can't judge. That's why I hate the combine. I hate the combine with a white hot intensity of a thousand suns. Right? Some guy runs a really fast 40, and all of a sudden he's a great football player. No. Running a fast 40, you know what it makes you good at? Running 40. That's all it makes you good at. Just like the bench press test. Right? Hey, the guy did a bunch of reps. It doesn't make you a great football player. It makes you great at benching. That's it. That's the only thing that really, that's all. all, all I, I hate the combine. I hate it. Mark. I, I love hearing that from you, by the way, because you are a guy who would do well in all of those things. Even the bench press, you're still throwing up three plates, I think, whenever you walk into random gyms just to alpha guys, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Is that accurate? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll walk right up to a dude and say, hey, when you're done, uh, you know, when you're done dicking around on that machine, I'd like to use it, right? Like, what are you doing with that? I said, Come on. When you're done dicking around, i got some work to do. So uh, get off there as quickly as possible. Yeah, absolutely. But I get tweeted that, you know, that punter did 25 reps or whatever. Turk did 25 reps on bench or whatever. They're like, look at this monster. I'm like, can he kick a ball, man? That's all. I, can he kick a ball? Can he kick a ball? That's all I need to know. Um, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's the combine is the goofiest thing in the world to me. It is. I mean, it's a it's a test of like it's a test of exercise. Like wow. Like if you want to build an all exercise team, go to the combine. Oh, you yeah. can get an all exercise team off the combine. There are some guys that stand out, I think, and do better than what people could expect. Like this Isaiah Simmons guy who could play all over the field. Then he runs a 4-3-9. People are like, okay, maybe this guy moves up. Because speed, sure. speed does kill matchups. But at the end of the day, you got to be able to play football. Speaking of playing football, Patrick Mahomes, when it's all said and done, might be the best football player of all time. He's definitely on track now. A lot of conversation about his contracts coming out. He has said that he understands when you look back on this thing, it's about winning championships. And a lot of people are like, is he trying to help build a team instead of his contract? I don't think he alluded to any of that. But the thing that I did find interesting about Patrick Mahomes this weekend was on the Barbershop episode, halfway through, he said he didn't learn how to read defenses until halfway through about this last year and he said he'll still continue to grow on that he was just playing football basically while he was breaking records on everybody now he's starting to get the sense of what a defense does and disguises and knowing coverages what is the limit for Patrick Mahomes is he just going to be a code breaker a cheat code a game breaker once he finds out all these little finer details and where does he go next yeah and I think he's probably being really modest because you talk to guys who have coached him and they said he's got an incredible like football acumen. He really understands the game. What he's saying is I'm getting to the next level of understanding the game, you know, and I think that's part of what we've seen. But I go back to even his first year when he threw the 50 touchdown passes, man, his ability to look people off, his ability to understand what they were in and his ability to execute plays um, was as good as there was, well, it was second to none in the league. And so he'll continue to grow. He'll continue to understand um, the game at even a deeper level. And he says he wants to be kind of like the right-hand guy for Andy Reid and what Andy Reid's been able to teach him. So he's a super intelligent football player, unbelievably talented. Um, and when it's all said and done, you know, barring injury, God forbid, but he could be, he could be, you know, the guy that we're talking about that that uh, usurps Brady as the greatest of all time. Speaking of injuries, Diggs brought up something very intriguing before the show started. I want him to ask you this. Mark, is it true? I, I did some reading. Is it 29 surgeries that you had? And, and yes. what are your thoughts going forward, like on a 17 game season with the CBA and stuff like that? And how do you even have 29? Sir? What do you do? You get the same knee done 14 times. How does that? How many body parts do you have? 
Yeah, I've had my my left knee uh, operated on fifteen times. <laughs> I just um, made that up. That was accurate. I did, I, I just literally fifteen yeah. times. Yeah, you God. you shorted me one surgery on my left knee. So it's kind of a dickish move by you. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, once you once you start having issues, you know, you you keep having issues, and I didn't have a skill set built to do anything other than play football. So it was like I could I couldn't let that you know end for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know. I, that's probably that's one of the issues that that you know your body's this great compensation machine. When you have one injury, oftentimes it leads to multiple other injuries because your body's constantly compensating. So that was kind of one of my issues: a bunch of elbow injuries, a bunch of knee injuries, obviously back Man. injuries, and and a few other things along the way. The rehab process is the worst part of the whole thing. I, I think not enough people understand what it's like to get your scar tissue dragged by a metal piece and then reteaching your knee how to walk again, the whole thing. And I think that is where you see a lot of the frustration coming from players about the 17 game. They're like, hey, not only are we struggling to get to the finish line with 16 games, but even when we do get hurt, the process of coming right. back is no cakewalk. Like, this is a very difficult thing. Do you think the 17 games gets passed and how big of an effect – do you think it has on players? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it eventually. I think eventually they're going in that direction anyhow. And you know, the owners really don't have to give anything up, right? What do they give up? You know, first off, they they threw the fake uh, two hundred fifty thousand dollars cap, and then they said, "Okay, listen, like we're so altruistic, we'll actually give you your salary. Like, what you're going to pay us our salary? Heroes, oh, heroes." You know so, I mean, and it makes it look like, hey, what a great guys the owners are, right? And they're giving up back-end stuff. Like, hey, let's practice time. Let's practice in pads and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it, it's real. But I also understand that they, that they you know, look at the, the 65% of the guys or 60% of the guys that are minimum wage guys, you know, that 17 games, how does it affect them? Well, if I'm taking 12 snaps a game on special teams, right, and that's the majority of your roster, well, an extra game doesn't really hurt me for another $100,000 or whatever it is. So I, I get I get the negotiation tactics that they use, and I think eventually it will pass. But you're 100% right. You know, it's funny you bring up the whole rehab thing. I always consider myself more of a professional rehabber than football <laughs> player. But, like, my my first year in Denver, I, had, I tore my knee up at the very last game of the season or second to last game of the season. So I had to have a microfracture surgery. So I kept going back and forth to from Denver because I was still living in Washington because I had left the Redskins. So I'm going back and forth to rehab in the offseason. And my daughter at the time had a parent-teacher conference, and both parents were supposed to be there. Well, I kept missing it. And my daughter, you know, she's like in the second grade, kept saying, hey, my daddy's in rehab. You know, he can't come to the thing. My daddy's in rehab. He can't come to the thing. So finally, like three months after yeah, I, I'd missed like three appointments. I finally come in on crutches, and she, and the do, and the teacher goes, "Oh, that kind of rehab." <laughs> you know? So, so uh, obviously, professional athlete. Uh, my my daughter's teacher thought I was a drug addict, but uh, you know, I mean, that's it, it. It was part of my life. Is is for as soon as the season got over, man. And you've been there. The season ends. Like people don't understand this. The season ends. You do your checkout physical. The next day, like Monday, a uh, Monday or Tuesday, you line up. And there is a, a like 15, 20 guys, and they come in. They stagger every 15 minutes. They'll walk into the, the surgical center. They'll walk in there. They'll start prepping. And every 15 minutes, there's another guy that walks in, another guy that walks in, gets prepped for surgery. And you'll be laying in the recovery bay right before you go into surgery, and there will be seven guys laying on gurneys. Getting one after the other gets wheeled in to have surgery. 
this is this was my life every year for 12 years as soon as the season end uh, ended i was in there having some type of surgery to fix something and then you start the process over again just to get yourself back on a football field so that you can continue to play the following season and that was every year and you'd be just like it'd be like one of those scenes from uh what was it, uh, Wiley Coyote or, or whatever, you know, the, the, those cartoons, like, morning, Fred, morning, you know, and then they'd, go, they'd be battling, right? Everybody was just in there having surgery. Well, that's why I think you hear the likes of Aaron Rodgers and all the OGs that, you know, have been around a long time and probably have seen a lot of guys get a lot of surgeries. That's a two-month, three-month process after that with rehabs. And then as soon as the two, three-month process is up, okay, now it's OTA time, now it's this. And guys yeah. that have been in the league a long time kind of run out of offseason almost. So whenever you hear these players be like, or whenever you hear fans go like, oh, they're so spoiled, they don't even want to go work out, like that's their job. It's like, well, maybe they just want to like chill for like a week or two. Like maybe they want to take a month off after you know going through an entire rehab process there's a lot on the line but the way that cba proposal was set up it is 1000 to your point for the bottom half of the roster to say this is good for me let's go get it through and they're going to have the same amount of regret that happened 10 years ago the day after that thing signed a month after that thing signed probably for the next 10 years until the next cba signed yeah i mean i i don't understand for me i don't understand like if, if you're going to give those things up Hey, man, let's redefine what revenue really is because there's a lot of things that are left off the table when it comes to revenue. What's the gambling aspect of the NFL? I mean, how much revenue is that going to is that going to create? And is that part of what the new collective bargaining agreement is? And then a lot, um, by the way, a lot of revenue. Like I've never seen one time any fan come to watch an owner sit around his ass off in the box. Right? <laughs> they come to watch football players play. That's what they come to watch. And the bottom line is, to me, hey, 50-50 split on the revenue. We'll give you the 17th game. Give us a real split on revenue. Like, let's let's take care of insurance after we're done playing for the long haul, right? Like, like let's let's make some real changes that really affect the life of the player because you're. it's not if you get hurt. You're going to get hurt. There's a 100% chance you're going to get hurt if you play this game. And let's take care of the players that way. Right, we got to get to a break here. Uh, last question, though, for you. Um, Dak Prescott, $33 million, 105 guaranteed, 100% a PR ploy by the Dallas Cowboys to leak that information so people know what they are offering Dak. If Dak turns that down, he looks like a bad guy instead of a guy that loves being a cowboy to the Cowboys fans. How do you feel about that situation? What do you think happens? Uh, absolutely. I always hate it when they do that. You know that never gets leaked by the player, right? Ever. <laughs> Ever. Ever. It, it's always leaked by the organization. And, you know, uh, the thing about contracts is is you might as well write them on toilet paper because that's what they're worth, right? <laughs> and and on the NFL players, like, they, they give you this fake monopoly money and go, look, look how much we love you. Look at what we offered you. And there are things within that contract. I'm sure there are outs. There are other things in that contract that, that basically are garbage. And they leak it out there and make you look like an ass. And every team does it, and I hate the fact that they do it. All right, we got to get to a break. Mark, you're the best. Right, they can catch you today on Cowherd and on Speak for Yourself. You got it, man. You crush it on there, just like you do every time you get on a mic. We appreciate you. The handsome, the Super Bowl champ, the stink green chili founder, Mark Slayer. Thank you, buddy. Oh! Thank you, guys. Take care. Cheers, man.
When was the last time you were driving through a storm and thought, you know what? I fucking love not being able to see when I drive. Uh, never. Yeah, you probably haven't. Now driving in bad weather doesn't have to be a headache thanks to the new Michelin Endurance XT silicone wiper blades. These blades last through everything to prove it. Michelin just put their new Endurance XT silicone wiper blades to the ultimate test on a world record-breaking 16 thousand mile drive from alaska to argentina to show just how durable these blades are rainier zeitlow oh unit unit of a man okay we finally googled this rainier zeitlow we've heard about rainier zeitlow Mm -hmm. we know that if rainier zeitlow is involved and it's a vehicle this is some real real shit going down we Googled what Rainier Zeitlow looks like. Unit of a man. Rainier Zeitlow was the man behind the wheel, and he put the Michelin Endurance XT silicone wiper blades through ice, snow, rain, thunder. Feel the thunder. Lightning, Lightning and, and the thunder. thunder. Thunder and the wind, and the blades took all of it. These blades are crafted for extreme weather performance with an advanced quad tech, four-layer coated silicone that repels water, snow, and ice, and lasts two times longer than the other blades. The Michelin Endurance XT silicone wiper blades are real-world proven for extreme weather performance. Upgrade to the Michelin Endurance XT silicone wiper blades today. I believe they're only at Walmart. Go check those out. Let's get back to the show. This weekend, to be honest, my favorite thing I watched was NBA. I watched the Los Angeles Lakers play the Los Angeles Clippers yesterday, and it it was awesome. It was playoff basketball in the middle of March between two teams that are currently being talked about as the future champs. Now, granted, the Bucs, who got beat by the Lakers on on Friday, uh, they're also in contention. Obviously, the Pelicans are four game out of the eighth seed on the the West. Now, now, listen, if if the Pelicans get in, I will immediately shift my heart from Los Angeles (laughs) to New Orleans for the playoff run. I'm a Pelicans fan. Everybody calls me Patty Pelicans. But yesterday, watch that Lakers Clippers game Clippers home game a lot of Lakers fan there it was beautiful both sides were taking it very serious both sides knew what was on the line and I think both sides wanted to get a taste of what could potentially be a matchup they're like all right let's play just so we can figure out some things we might have to figure out going into the playoffs so we can get an edge. And LeBron James, at the age of 35, in year 17, put on an absolute show. This dude, in a world of basketball that's talking about, you know, resting players and all this type of stuff, LeBron goes back-to-back. LeBron, in year 17, age of 35, is still yakking on people. He has transformed his body like six years ago to become this entirely new, conditioned player. He has been a guy that has basically been the forefront of athletes for a long time. LeBron James, you got to remember, was on Sports Illustrated when he was like 12 years old or something like that. He had a Hummer driving around the hood in Ohio whenever he was like 16, 17 years old. He had his own shoe line as a teenager. He had all the hype in the world, and all he's done is live up to the hype. He's played more basketball than anybody else for the last like 10 years. He's in the finals, what seems to be every single year. Aside from last year, he took an off year in L.A., went out to L.A., started drinking wine, during games, before games. <laughs> but since then, LeBron has been the face of what an athlete should be. And watching him yesterday dive on the floor for loose balls, playing defense, locking people down, taking it to the rack, getting fouled. And if not getting fouled, they're so aggressive trying to block his layup that there's a follow-up easy dunk. I mean, LeBron at this age 
in this time of his career, in a sport that involves a lot of running, a lot of conditioning, a lot of prep, a lot of focus, the fact that he is still so damn dominant is awesome for the NBA and awesome for this year's playoffs coming on. Now, if that's what basketball is going to be like this year in the playoffs, because they're saying there's a lot of good teams this year. So they're saying there's a lot of competition. Houston, who's hit a cold streak, is going to be in. The Clippers, LA, the Bucks, potentially the Pelicans getting in there. I mean, there's going to be a lot of great basketball players playing basketball for a couple months. I'm excited for the NBA playoffs, and I thank the Clippers and the Lakers yesterday for giving us a preview of what it's going to be like. Because of how like mundane and long the NBA season is, like I tend to forget when you have two teams that are very good, like how entertaining that basketball is. That's one of my favorite things to watch. It was awesome. You're talking about the best athletes in the world, right? These guys are six foot six, six foot eight. They can all jump really high in a sport that involves a lot of strategy and a lot of athletic skill. It's just awesome when you get two teams that know what's on the line and show out for it. Paul George and Kawhi had great games. Everybody on the Lakers seemed to show up. Vogel, by the way, is. I think handling being LeBron's coach mm-hmm. the best out of anybody that's handled being LeBron's coach. There was a moment yesterday, I think it was third quarter or fourth quarter, LeBron was yelling at the ref from the deep end of the bench. And the ref was at midcourt, and Frank Vogel was standing in the middle, right? So LeBron is yelling over his head coach to yell at the ref. And there was a lot of give and take. And Frank Vogel just stood there almost, looked at the ref, and was like, have you heard him? <laughs> like, he didn't, he didn't like, try to stop LeBron. He didn't try to say anything to the ref like he doesn't. Look, Frank Vogel was just like, yeah, man, ref, you and I both know this is this guy's league if he wants to do it. I think the way Vogel has been able to balance that relationship, and with Anthony Davis and LeBron – seeming to really like each other and feed off each other. Now, Anthony Davis licking his fingers and then spreading coronavirus (laughs) to everybody in the arena was a wild move. But that team, I think, was a lot of fun, and that game was a lot of fun. And if I'm an NBA, we'll talk about Steve Coonan, a friend of the show's idea CEO of the Atlanta Hawks to move NBA, basically starting on Christmas, moving it back so it doesn't compete with the NFL. So the mundane season that was just talked about by Mm -hmm. Ty there isn't something. It's like a a nice – I don't want to say hit it, quit it type season, but it is. It's like, hey, let's go. We're going full speed here, which will be smart to shorten the season. But whenever you get two teams that are good and that know that they're good and know that something's on the line, and there's even some personal beef between Patrick Beverly and LeBron. He's trying to cook that up going into the playoffs. And you got Kuzma putting the crown back on LeBron because I guess there's a commercial in L.A. with Kawhi claiming to be the king of L.A. I mean, it's just yesterday was a beautiful day for basketball, and I was very happy I got to watch it. What I love about this matchup is you know that Anthony Davis and LeBron and then Kawhi and Paul George are going to get there. So they both combined for 58 on both sides. But then it's like, who is going to be the third guy on the, one of these teams to step up? And yesterday it was Avery Bradley, and that's normally who's going to win the game between these, these two teams. Kuzma, too. Kuzma had a hell of a game as well. I think LeBron's still the best player on earth, though. Yeah. By oh, far, yeah. yeah. Best player on earth. When he wants to be. Now, I assume he doesn't go ham every single night. He's 35 years old, and there's a lot of running. But he is by far the best player on earth whenever he wants to be. The fact that he is just diving on the floor, right? Regular season game, they have the best record in the West. Diving on the floor for a loose ball is just awesome. And I know he's done a lot of things that are hateable, believe me. Taco Tuesday, it was not. It was him trying to sue Saban for a barbershop conversation. (laughs) I mean, he's done a lot of things that people go, why are you doing that, LeBron? But aside from those couple fatal PR moves, and by fatal, I mean big, they're they're 
blown out of proportion because it was LeBron James. Aside from those, it feels like he's done everything right. And he, just like Tom Brady, might win another three, four championships by the way he's playing. Do you think that LeBron will make it as far as 42-43 like Brady? Well, it's a very different sport, right? It's Mm -hmm. a very, very – you can't compare those two. I think if you look at his age and what he does, I think it's already pretty comparable to Tom Brady being 40. They're running up and down the court. I mean, it's a run, run, run. Now, he's not taking big shots. He does get bumped up a little bit, I guess, but he's six foot eight. He can handle it. Normally, he's bigger than people, but Tom's not doing as much running, right? I guess his arm has to be loose, but so does LeBron's. I think what he's already done has been something that people will talk about. The last person to win – an MVP at this age, if he was the one at this year, was Carl Malone in 1999. That's a long, long time ago. This is something that's unprecedented. It looks like he's not even slowing down by any means at all. Either. Well, and did LeBron say he wants to play with Bronny, who's like yeah. 15 yeah. or 16? So he's got at least another four years until he's in the league. And I think that kid's going to be good, by the way. Yeah, he's I mean, got Drake sitting courtside. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we are very much live on the YouTube, youtube.com forward slash the Pat McAfee show. And sometimes we like to dive into the cleanest, most noble place on earth, the YouTube comment section. Our question here is from Anthony Batagalia. Paisan. What was a better feeling, the holiday hit or the self onside kick against Houston? Self onside kick. Yeah. Holiday hit, you black out whenever you're on the field. So what happened there, whenever I'm tackling Trendon Holiday, it's the most athletic moment of my life that begins with a fail. That's supposed to be a touchback, right? <laughs> that kickoff is supposed to be out of the back of the end zone because Trendon Holiday, Olympic sprinter, world-class speed. The guy runs very fast. In that particular year, he was busting people wide open on returns. Big game. Peyton Manning was coming back to Indianapolis for the first time since he left. This is a big, big deal. So let's not let Trendon Holiday steal the show. It was our mindset going in so for kickoffs we're just going to kick it out of the back of the end zone and for punts we're going to try to get fair catches so as soon as i kick that ball off i'm like oh is it going and i see trinden back up and i see his eyes get big and i'm like well there's a fail these guys aren't supposed to be covering a kick anyways and i think the rest of the coverage team was like all right we're kicking this out of the back of the end zone so this is on pat basically and it kind of looked like that he covers it like six yards deep so i was only like five yards off or something like that which is a long way when it comes to kicking. That was quite a miss. Then he starts breaking, and I see he and I, it becomes like the Red Sea. And I always use like the bait and tackle. People do that in fishing. I did that for real. I would always let people think that they could get the sideline, and then hopefully my little stumpy Caucasian legs would be able to get up fast enough and I'd be able to close the angle. That was always my technique. In college, I did it when I was bigger and faster than some of the returners. In the NFL, I'd do it against all the returners. It didn't always work. I tried to do it against Antonio Brown. He just stuck his foot in the ground and shook me. I tried to do it to Julian Edelman one time. Same thing. I think I have a weakness, and that's if somebody gives me with a big stick, I'm going to go for it. So, Trendon Holiday had the sideline, and I closed my eyes, ran as fast as I could, and obviously, I sheened him. And I, I did like a punch tackle because I had good leverage on him. But there was very much a chance where... I was running full speed. He was running full speed, and I wasn't going to get him. Like, there was a chance I was just going to whiff completely and just go right into the Broncos. Blind squirrel found a nut. I tackle him. He goes down right in front of the entire sideline. The guy that's supposed to block me, Joel Dreesen, uh, gets upset because I hit him with a little bit of a spin move because he didn't think I was going to try, which on film I never did if anybody tried to block me. So that's on me, Joel. I apologize for that. That is not your fault. So I make that tackle. I pop back up. 
place is going absolutely apeshit, obviously. The crowd's going, and all I notice is like, oh, we just gave up a 50-yard drive start right there. We just gave a 50-yard line drive start to Peyton Manning. Like, that, my stats are completely fucked right now. My field position is screwed, but everybody seems to be happy, right? Everybody seems to be pretty happy about it. So I'm jogging. Some people come over and slap me in the head. The ref comes up to me, asks me if I'm all right because I don't wear a mouth guard. But I didn't even really fully know what happened until I looked up on the Jumbotron saw it, and I was like, Oh, fuck. Look at that there. And then I sit back down, and then everybody forgets about it, right? Doesn't matter. For that onside kick, we drove down. We scored after that. I think it was just like something that I'd made tackles before. I'd never recovered my own onside kick. And I don't think to that point anybody in the NFL had recovered their own onside kick. And the fact that I got to call it myself, basically, which only adds to the pressure where if I don't get that good chance, I'm getting. <laughs> what do you. Pat, what was that? What did you just do there? Well, I thought, you, you thought, huh? You know what I thought? I thought we could find a new fucking punter. <laughs> so is there, is there an audible call in like when you're on? Like yeah, yeah, up? yeah. So the move was, since we had hit an onside kick, we had hit a surprise onside kick to the right, and we had shown a surprise onside kick to the left, we knew that return teams were going to be kind of fucked. So in my head, it was always like, hey, somebody's going to leave the middle of the field wide open. I would like to be able to kick to myself. They're like, nobody will ever do that. I was like, all right, but what if they do? They're like, nobody will ever do that. I was like, what if they do? So I said, hey, if I hit my hamstrings while I'm putting the ball down, the two guys, Colt Anderson's on one side from Montana, and I forget the other side, they were the ones that controlled when the people would roll. I was like, if I hit my hamstrings, just keep everybody out. So we finally got to look against the Houston Texans, and as I was putting the ball down, I looked up, I see a guy back, I see a guy over there, and I'm like, you have got to be fucking kidding me. So I hit the hammies, and I look over at Colt, and I see Colt going like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, this is it. And uh, it just so happened, nobody even touched me. When I got on the ball, I thought my kidneys were going to get blown out by helmets and everything like that. Nothing happened. We moved forward. That's the most athletic moment in my life, and I think that's the biggest one of my NFL career. The tackle on holiday, though, will be talked about forever. But I think I got a concussion. <laughs> YouTube questions. So sorry to interrupt you there. <laughs> Blue Vine is an easy, fast way to help support your business growth with a line of credit up to $250,000. Wow. Quarter of a mil? Quarter of a mil. <laughs> hey, quarter of a mil. That is nothing to sneeze at. No, it's not. Whether you need money to offset upfront costs, secure inventory, or pay an unexpected expense through Blue Vine, you can help yourself and your business stay secure for any reason. There's no fee to set up your line of credit, and Blue Vine never charges maintenance or prepayment fees. Hmm. Applying is easy. Just go online to getbluevine.com slash pat. Fill out a few simple details, and you're done with your application within minutes. Seeing an offer will not affect your credit score. Once approved, funds can be received in as fast as 24 hours. Have peace of mind knowing that funds can be drawn with the click of a button for any business expense. Bluevine has helped more than 20,000 customers and has delivered over 2.5 billion 
in funds to businesses. That's with a B. Blue Vine also has advisors available by phone to answer any questions and help meet your business needs. With an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and a nearly five-star review on Trustpilot, see why thousands of satisfied business owners have chosen Blue Vine as their go-to source for financing. For listeners of this show, Blue Vine is offering a special limited-time promotion of a $100 gift card when you take out a loan or open a line of credit with Blue Vine. Go to getbluevine.com slash pat for more details. All you have to do is go to getbluevine.com slash pat and apply. That's quick, easy, and meaningful help to your business in as little as 24 hours. This promotional offer is subject to terms and conditions that can be found at getbluevine.com slash pat. Joining us now is a man who played in the has played in the NFL for 17 seasons at quarterback. 17 years in the NFL quarterback. You saw him in the Eagles playoff game where he's playing through a torn hamstring. The man is a grinder. He's got grit. He's been on 11 different NFL teams. And if you get him on a basketball court, he'll shake everybody in your YMCA. Ladies and gentlemen, Josh McCaffrey. I appreciate that. That's a heck of an intro. Josh. I have, I have dunked on some white kids, too. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually saw that in the highlight video that was put out there. I think it was a year ago. Your highlights of playing in celebrity games got introduced to the Internet. And, boy, I was mind blown by the amount of just your hot sauce meets J.J. Redick. <laughs> I mean, you have it all. It's, it, was that your first love, basketball? Absolutely. Um, you know, growing up in, in Texas, football is king, but um, but I love the sport of basketball and uh, always have. And so um, so any chance I get to go out there and, and, and shoot it around and, and play the hoops, I, I do it, and especially in the offseason. It's a good way to stay in shape, and the celebrity games are always fun. We just showed a, a, a video of you going up and under on the other side on a dunk, draining a three, shaking some people in the lane. I mean, he is a great basketball player. Still at this incredible age. Well, I mean, just a nasty, <laughs> just an absolute nasty fake behind the back. I mean, it was just, hey, those are incredible highlights there. Let's talk about football a little bit. Let's do it. Uh, 17 seasons in the NFL. Okay, that's a very long time at quarterback. Most recently with the Philadelphia Eagles. The story goes that you had committed to coaching your kids' high school team and the Eagles called you out of retirement or they called you – how did that whole thing work out? Yeah, so in August, you know, they, they lost Nate Subfeld, who was said to be their backup uh, in camp during, for an injury. And and, uh, and so they reached out and, you know, the initial conversation, I was like, no, you know, I'm, I'm committed to coaching the high school team and really excited about what we had going and – and uh, and so the, the first answer was kind of no, and, and and Howie and Doug talked me through things, and they were like, "Listen, we can work with the schedule," uh, you know. And really, when it came down to it, I was like, "I don't really need to miss uh, Eagle stuff. I just need you guys to know that I'm going to be traveling." So I didn't miss any meetings. I would just on Mondays I'd get home, watch the uh, help, you know, install the game plan for the high school, and then on Fridays I would shoot home after practice. You know how the Friday practices are, Pat. We go home get out early. So I'd go home Friday and, and watch the game, post the game on Friday night, be a part of that, and then hop back there late Friday night and be ready to go Saturday. So it was fun. It made the weeks go fast, but it was a blast. That's 
Absolutely incredible. Uh, Dad of the year. And the fact that you withheld your commitment to the team after getting an incredible offer from the NFL says a lot about you as a human. Now, it has been rumored that the Eagles have offered you a coaching position, and you said <laughs> that you still want to play. Is coaching something that you see in your future? And is how many years we think we got left in that incredible body of yours? For- oh, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'm just I'm trying to get the hamstring right as we speak. Um, so we'll head through some rehab here pretty soon. And, and um, you know, uh, everything's on the table. Uh, but I had a great time with the organization. And I think leaving there, you know, we kind of just left everything open as far as, you know, returning. And, and uh, Doug was awesome. Howie was awesome. Uh, and so we'll see what happens. But right now the focus is just to get healthy um, and to get the body right. I don't know how incredible it is at this age. But, uh, <laughs> but just to get – to get the body right, get feeling better again, and, and at a minimum, uh, get back out there and hoop some. Well, hey, please, for the love of the internet, please get back on the basketball court. That how so you tore your hamstring? What grade? What? I don't know if they put those in grades because um, it would have been like whatever the a bad grade. It would look like an <laughs> F or whatever. But like, and you still it, played though. Yeah, so something popped in the second quarter, and I was like, man, that, that's weird. I've never had that before. Nobody hit me, you know? And so um, so it was kind of processing the whole thing of just, okay, I'm, I'm 40 years old and I'm on a football field, so this is probably what's going to happen. <laughs> so, um, so, and then the third quarter, another pop again. And, I, you know, and at halftime we had discussed it. They were like, you, you know, maybe you did something. But obviously Carson was out. We had only dressed two quarterbacks. So I was like, well, you know, we got to roll, you know, whatever. So – uh, so I went out there and played, and and it's weird. It doesn't, you know, it didn't feel my best, but you know how it is. Your adrenaline gets going. You, you play, and you know, you try to be there for your team, especially when there's no other options. So, uh, so that was the deal. Training staff did a great job of of helping me feel as good as I could, and and we rocked it. When did it hit? Was it immediately after the game when the pain was just excruciating? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it kind of like as you know, as the adrenaline starts to wear off. The, the pain starts going up and you're like oh wait a minute like I'm really hurting um so so yeah that was probably the worst night of sleep and then you know met with the doctors and discussed it and, and they were like yeah you need to get this thing repaired like you got to get it you know reattached because the, the tendons that hold your hamstring on the back of your leg and basically two of mine tore off the bone so I needed to get them put back on got them put back on and we're we're, we're rolling now is that the <laughs> toughest quarterback performance in history that he had a bone and and muscle ripped off of his leg and he plays another three quarters with it as a 40-year-old. Josh, that might be the toughest. Now, obviously, the carrying of uh, Byron Leftwich down the field is something that will always be talked about. Legendary. That is a legendary moment. But, I mean, ha- as a 40-year-old grown man, having ligaments <laughs> in your muscles just ripped off of your – I mean, that has to be – hey, Josh – Look at you. Texas tough, Donner. That's right. That's right. That's how we do it. Texas tough. We talk about that all the time. So I know my dad would have been disappointed if I had come off the field for sure. I can respect it. My dad duct taped me to a fence one time to throw balls at me. (laughs) (laughs) Are you from Texas, Pat? Yeah, from Pittsburgh. I think it's kind of the same, just different accents. It's the same thing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, You've been with 11 different franchises. Uh, That is both – impressive and incredibly insightful you've been a chance to kind of see how a lot of different people operate which is i only played for the colts a lot of people talk about how it's this incredible honor to only play with one team but i've always said like yeah but i have no idea how other teams have done it like tom brady for instance if he is to go somewhere else he 
could potentially not know what he's getting into. What is it like going into a new facility, a new organization, and are they much more similar or are they vast differences in a lot of different places? Yeah, yeah, Tom, if you're watching, holler at me. I can give you the cliff notes. About <laughs> it um, no, it, it's, it's, it's different. I think your story is cool, and, and I think when you're on, it's always kind of grass is greener. You look over the fence and see it different. I think, you know, when you've had the career I've had, you're like, oh, man, it would be cool to play one place, you know, and just kind of set up roots and be there. Uh, but at the same time, you're right, this, this network of the league, and, and it's just cool to see the men that we have in our league, just get to know the guys and, and the different locker rooms that you get to be a part of. And uh, I think what you learn more than anything is that the locker room is un- it's a unique and special place, and it's cool in all 32 buildings. And having been in 11 of them, there's a special bond, and there's nothing like it. And, uh, and so that, I think, for me, as I, you know, at some point move away from this game, I think that's what I'll take away more than anything is just the, the ability to meet guys all over the country, different organizations, and still this game brings people together and uh, in a special way, and it's really, really cool. I've always said that if a piece of an NFL locker room or a football locker room could move into society, it'd be great. It's a melting pot. You got people from all over the place. Compton, you got people from Texas, you got rich kids, you got completely broke kids, you got people from all different walks of life, religions, race, everything coming into one place, all for a common goal, moving towards one particular thing. It's, it's a very beautiful and sacred place. But with that being said, right now with this new CBA, you have all these people from these different walks of life in these different backgrounds in these different situations all having to vote on something and have one one answer that's it only one answer. you're either saying yes or you're saying no you're obviously there for the last cba this cba seems to be a little bit different this seems like there's a lot more vocal uh guys against it there seems to be some very smart ryan fitzpatrick just came out and said he's for it he went to harvard he's a smart guy what is your take on the entire situation how do you see it playing out Literally just watched Ryan's uh, statement about it, and, and, you know, I think he's on to something. I do, you know, want to continue to gather more information, but I'll say this. The point that he made was just that the pie is, is growing, and, and from day one when when Commissioner Upshaw was involved, it was always about how much more ground could we gain and, and pieces of pie could we get, and, and could we get that percentage up. And that's been a common thread, you know, since 2002 when I got into the league. And then to Ryan's point, when the when the the PA guys came into the locker room this year, uh, shared some of the thoughts with us about the different things they wanted to see done. Uh, I can say that you know that we've seen those things met in this CBA, and and so that's encouraging, and and it's a step in the right direction. Uh, so there are obviously concerns, and you got guys at different different levels, and I think you're hearing from guys that uh, by and large are are secure in their in their job and. Um, and they've gotten paid. And so, uh, but I think this deal was reflective of, of the whole uh, a, as much as anything. And, and for those guys, especially practice squad guys, and those guys that got to grind it out um, week in and week out trying to make rosters, I think this is beneficial for them. This helps them. And, and that was what was addressed early in, in the season uh, when the PA came to us. Those were some of the things that they brought up. And so it's cool to see those things actually when they talk about them in the media you've been there they talk about them and then and then it comes up later and it never seems to get addressed so it's neat to see those things get addressed now 
How much responsibility do you feel to be somebody that the younger guys can lean on, both whether it's, like, for instance, for me, Adam Vinatieri was obviously big for me on the field about how to utilize your brain and how to focus in on things. He's the most clutch guy of all time. But off the field, when I was buying a home, when I was going through different things, like a guy that's been there, done that, and especially in the CBA world with the business, how much responsibility do you feel for those younger guys to be there for everything, not just whenever it comes to football? Oh, I think it's huge. Um, it must be something about kickers. John Casey did that for me here in Carolina Yeah, when I was here briefly with him. Same thing. Was was kind of a, a great mentor, him. Uh, Steve Smith and I were kind of coming along at the same time and both kind of helping us understand what life outside of outside of the building was like and, and as far as how to take care of your family financially and all those things and, and, and to really start thinking that way. And I think it's important. And, and there is an onus on older players and veteran players that have been around to uh to to talk to the young guys and, and to explain those things to them is that john casey calling you right there <laughs> no no that was my agent and, and hey, I, hey, I, hey, hey 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 we breaking news here what's happening i know <laughs> so declined call I, you, you know it's a different my wife and i are talking about that it's a different space that we're in after after 17 years you know you're like this time 10 years ago i'd have been like accept what do you got for me you know but at this point, you know, we're going to kind of just slow, slow play this thing. I have a last question for you before a couple of guys probably want to ask you a question. You're a legend in our building, by the way, for everything you'd like. Le- that basketball thing took us – whenever those highlights <laughs> hit the internet, the Josh McCown clout in our office went from <laughs> through the roof. I want to let you know that. My last question for you is the hair, the hair. Uh, I feel like we potentially have similar – I'm thinking the same thing. But yours looks a lot better than mine. So I would like – what do you – I don't know, though. You know what I'm saying? I, I like I like how, how well-groomed and tight your sides are. Thank you. I appreciate, you know um, – Thank you. Yeah. And I, the facial hair – like the whole thing is – it's working for you, man. Do you it's use working a, for you. You have your own show, for crying out loud. Yeah, but we just so, created this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you but I appreciate have- it. I, I, sometimes, sometimes I put on the show and put it on mute and just watch your hair. <laughs> hey, the number's still good for us, so I appreciate it. I don't care if you hear or anything as long as you're watching. Do you blow dry that thing? Do we use hairspray? Do yeah, you- yeah. It's a, it's typically a three step process. Can be two steps if you're in a hurry, but um, but you know, it's a three step process. Blow drying is one of those processes. Um, I gotta get that. In. And uh, steps in the process uh, to to kind of get it right. You know, it's that it's that look of like kind of I I tried to do it, but I really didn't try to do it that yeah. you're going for. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, that, that makes it casual. So, um, so, you know, that's what you're chasing, but the, but blow drying is the first part. You got to get going in the right direction. It looks amazing. My question was kind of around the hair too. Cause there was that viral clip of you and Sam Darnold basically putting <laughs> your hands through your hair at the same time, having the same exact hair. You've been right. around so many quarterbacks and so many young quarterbacks. Do you have a favorite one that maybe you mentored or cause you were with Carson, you were, you were Sam. Uh, yeah. do you have a favorite one that you mentored or who you think is going to be great in this league? Yeah, you know, unfortunately, that was probably the most in sync our offense was. All <laughs> so, was me and Sam um, hair flipping it. But I love Sam's awesome. Carson was great this year. Um, Johnny Manziel, I love being with Johnny in Cleveland. You know, and kind of gets a bad rap and, and and whatever. But I enjoyed working with him that year. So it's fun being with those guys. Um, I think Sam and I's relationship probably is a little different in the sense that, like, when he got there. We lived in the same building, you know, uh, a couple doors down from one another. Like, we spent a lot of time together. And he was and, like 15. Uh, a lot of hours. So he was like was 15 fun. when he got drafted, too, Sam. 
Say again. He was like 15 when he got drafted. <laughs> yeah, no, literally, I'm I'm at basketball practice. My son and my daughter text me, and she's like, "Dad, he's like six months older than me." <laughs> like, <laughs> relax, like no ideas here. But um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it was it was fun because uh, I I think for me, especially as a dad and with, with kids close to his age, it was fun to to connect with him and kind of get a, a lens of like what that life is like for for a young person, and and uh, and I think it. it for a little bit at least, made me cooler with my kids. But I enjoy working with him because he's got a great mind for football, great work ethic, and uh, and, and just young. He's got a lot to learn. But we spent a lot of time together. And uh, and anything we talked about, you know, as far as the meeting times, how much time we were going to put into it, he was he was down from day one to work. And uh, and when you have that, you got a fighting chance. I think he's talented. So I think he's going to be a good player. And I think they're going to turn the corner this year. So I would probably say Sam. But, like, this year was fun with Carson, too, getting him to kind of – uh, help you know come alongside the coaches and get him to kind of understand, especially down the stretch when we dealt with all the injuries, to play completion football and to not just rely on a big arm all the time. And you know, he you look at the last four or five games getting us into the playoffs. He was he was you know playing at a high high level, and and so it was really cool to see that and be a part of that too. So uh, probably because they're recent, but both those guys come to mind. Does Carson Wentz listen to any of the noise outside? I mean, there's a. I mean, obviously, anytime you win a Super Bowl with another quarterback, and then you choose to send that guy out, there's some potential noise if any failures happen. Oh yeah, I mean, the the especially in Philly, and so what he has to to, to kind of deal with from the outside, you know, on a yearly basis. Hopefully, he, he kind of quieted some of that this year by the way that he played, and um, and he does a good job of insulating himself and. Uh, and diving into the game plans week in and week out and, and focusing on that and, and not getting too caught up in everything else. So I think that's good. And, and, and he's he's working on every aspect of, of himself as a player um, and as a leader in that locker room. And that's encouraging. I think the sky's the limit for that group. All right. Well, great to hear. Josh, not only is your hair incredible and your basketball skills and your football skills, but you're a great conversation, mm-hmm. man. We're so thankful you uh, chose to join us here. Oh, I appreciate you having me. Anytime, man. All right, we're going to hold you to it. Hey, <laughs> I've seen you hit the FU button, though, on your agent. I assume that could potentially happen to us. Ladies and gentlemen, maybe 18-year NFL quarterback if he comes back, maybe a coach, absolute stud, Josh McCown. Thank you, man. Thanks, brother. Cheers. Hey, he's awesome. Boy, that was a fun one today. Incredible. Oh, I love talking. More Tom Brady talk, obviously. Loved all the conversation. And once again, I can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to this. There's a lot of other options. Believe me, we're in an entire bracket filled with things that you could listen to. The fact that you listen to ours, we're very thankful for. Uh, if you could tweet us, hashtag this is where I'm at, Pat. We're still giving away free merch. Zito's going through. It's been really cool to see where everybody's at that listens to this show. We got fans from all over the place. I want to let you know we love all of you. Thank you so much, Ty Schmidt. Please play some independent music.